always wonder what inspires somebody to retweet something. Oh, we got four. We got the Nick Saban shit too. Yeah. It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fennoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fennoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting theurbannerdcon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. Theurbannerdcon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working!
I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head and shoulder scalp shield. Never not working. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests you ready, bro? such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. seconds. We live. Oh, well, I, you know, hey, I, 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 I don't have any, I'm not seeing anything on the back end, Drew. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Are we live? Check one, two. Yes, we are. Yes, All we right. are. Can I, can I, can I, can I see, I see you in the back screen, but I don't see anything live out in front. So I'm going to just take your word on it that we're live. And that way, you know, people are like, why are they just staring randomly into, uh, into space but that's what happens when you've been away for too long and that's what we get so <laughs> i'm brian fulford that's ad drew and uh the bcsn sports rap is back it's been too long we've uh we've managed to sort of gather ourselves and actually pull off the decision to do a show yeah <laughs> yeah about the best I can describe it. So it was like, hey, if we don't do something now, we may not do anything until June. So Drew, it's good to actually uh, see your face uh, via the uh, via the production uh, studio here from our home studios. How you doing, my my friend? I'm doing fine, my brother. Uh, you know, we, we were together for about a week in Montgomery at this event that's behind me on the wall, the Black College World Series. So it's just, uh, you know, good to be back in the comforts of the, of home. 
Yeah, man. Uh, May May is such an interesting month for me. Any any time of the year, this one in particular has been uh, has been unusual. You know, I think the last time we did a show, I was uh, I was a year younger, and Obviously. you know, I yeah. So you know, you go through. Yeah, yeah, a new birthday. You go through the first Mother's Day without your moms, and uh, you know you just go through all of that stuff. You do the Black College World Series. You're just watching things from an outside perspective. You got if you're an educator like we are, you're wrapping up the end of the year with uh, with just the daily task. Yeah, with all the daily tasks and chores that come with that, and uh, somehow, you know. And somehow we managed to do shows. We managed to do uh, some broadcast. And, and shout out to everybody who is a part of the uh, BCSN family, the team, uh, as we like to say, that help makes it possible. This definitely uh, it's not a one-man, two-man gig, thankfully. So uh, I know that not only makes myself, makes my good friend Roy Evans uh, happy, and and, and make, it's got it's got to be fulfilling and rewarding for you as well. You've been on this journey a long time as well. So uh, shout out to- Not as long as you have though. Well, yeah, you know, shout out to AD and everyone from uh, blackcollegechampionships.com, the city of Montgomery, Alabama, who uh, put on a great black college, uh, Tyson Foods, Black College World Series. Um, Still hearing from people who, who had a chance to watch the uh the, the broadcast and watch various games and i'm so appreciative for for everybody that got a chance to watch yeah what do you Brian, want your your call along with nick strong on the last out of the game has gone semi-viral and it was a great great call but i'm going to challenge everyone Go back to that championship game and go to the eighth inning when the drama happened in Ooh. the bottom of the eighth inning. Listen to Brian and Nick set everything up, describe what is getting ready to happen just before it happened in the bottom of the eighth inning. As strong as your you guys called was to end the game, I think you guys did even better as a duo in the eighth inning describing the drama in the eighth inning especially that that tremendous double play up the middle that saved the game for ever waters i i give i give all the credit to nick strong you know it, I've, I've been very fortunate uh just like when i'm calling basketball games with you because of your perspective and your knowledge as a referee you guys are able to sort of see things and explain things Almost in a almost in a Tony Romo esque fashion, but you don't get all caught up in the theatrics like good like like good Tony Romo does sometimes. And so, I, I look. I, I try to be Magic Johnson. You know, my job is to just assist, pass the ball here, set you up, make you guys look good. I think that's what a what a good play by play man should do or woman should do. And uh, I've been for, I mean, I, I love calling games. I, I like, I like calling games with you, no doubt. But uh, there, there's, there is some, there is a youthful 
uh, enthusiasm and exuberance that Nick Strong has for baseball that uh, it's like we get giddy talking about basketball a lot. I mean, Nick Strong talks about baseball with such passion and emotion that, I mean, I can understand why kids want to go play for him um, be, because he and is Florida such a good National. teacher. Yeah, yeah. Florida National. Hey, look, that that he is going to do some great things down there. And uh, you, you HBCU programs that missed out on Nick Strong, man, I tell you what, you guys missed out uh, because he is he is going to be uh, he is a good coach. And is and as long as he wants to continue doing it, he is going to be successful down there in South Florida. But, yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. I I, I hey, and first off, congratulations to Edward Waters, man. You know, the, uh, my my. I guess this one goes down as sort of my second most memorable call with Edward Waters. In two seasons, I've had a chance to call some really fun games with Edward Waters, and uh, so that was fun. I, I, I've, I've, I'll tell you one thing, and then we'll move on. I've gone back and listened to that a couple of times, just virally, and I'm amazed that I didn't stumble and fumble over that. I, I just. Because I'm not going to lie, Drew, I, I, I didn't even – it didn't hit me that the game was coming to a close like it was because, you know, I really thought Kentucky – I thought for a second Kentucky State was really going to rally and tie the doggone thing up. And they were they were setting themselves up so well that, uh, that it really – it was really cool the way it worked out. And then uh, prop, I got to give a shout-out to uh, Melody Lucas – uh the director and the camera people because that call doesn't go off and look as well if the production and camera team is there to capture everything the way they did so uh that that was that was that's what i'm most proud of is that you all and everybody could see it in the same respect that uh that we called it and i i didn't uh, and again when we have those calls i don't know how you like to do i, I like to watch the field i'm rarely watching the actual screen. So I never really saw the complimentary video that went with it. I'm just watching what's out there. So yeah, appreciate that. And, and shout out to uh, Edward Waters again, uh, Edward Waters University for, uh, for, for, for what they did. It, it just pretty awesome, pretty awesome moment. And, and they, I got a feeling they will be back next year. So uh, for, the Tigers and the SIC is going to be loaded as a baseball conference. Uh, that that is going to Especially be on the conference. east side. Oh well, look, aren't we still waiting on the SIC to sort of redefine? <coughs> excuse me, they, redefine what they're going to do. Inside information: Everwaters will be in the east, and one, if not both, of the Atlanta schools will move to the west. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. I that that was kind of that was kind of how I thought it might play out because that puts them closer to what the Kentucky and Ohio region, right? Correct. And Tennessee as well. Yes. Yes, and of course yeah. you got so, the Alabama schools. Alabama. Yeah, it it just it just makes sense. Uh so now with 13 schools, so what is SIC going to become what seven Seven in the west, six in the east. Is that how it that that's what they got to figure out which side is gonna be odd? That's why I say one, if not two Atlanta schools may uh move over. 
does it make sense, Drew, for them to even have divisions per se? I mean, obviously with scheduling, you can still schedule East and West. But in terms of playoff standings, does it even make sense to still do the whole East and West thing? Well, you know, in baseball, they eliminated the, the divisions this year. And it was kind of a – I thought it was a good thing. Everyone played everyone in baseball this this particular year. And now what's going to be interesting with a sport like baseball, which has a 30-game max as far as the uh, – number of games conference. that you play in a conference. If you okay. play everybody with a similar schedule to this year, that means 33 games. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust the schedule in baseball. Uh, basketball, you can keep the divisional format. Obviously, football, you're going to have to keep the divisional format and figure out how many times uh, teams will cross over. But uh, for baseball – what they did this year will not work because that would be 33, not 30. So they're going to have to figure out some way to do it. Don't really see them going to two-game series, which that would be the only way you could do it is still play everybody without going back to the divisional uh, format. Mm-hmm. Um, want to thank everybody who's watching us on Facebook and YouTube, especially you know, you might have caught the late notification. You might have looked up and said, oh, wait a minute. They're doing a show. Yeah, we're doing a show. Uh, and it's on a Monday night. <laughs> and it's on Monday night, right. So we appreciate you. Uh, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, MyJBN, or MyBCSN is where you can find it, on the Google or Apple Play Store. And if you're wherever you're watching us, go and hit that thumbs up button. On the uh, on YouTube or on Facebook, it helps us out. And uh, you know, I want to encourage people. Those of you who have listened to the podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone, we really appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, wherever you're listening, iHeart, you can rate, you can give a review, give a rating for the BCSN Pod Zone. Please do that. You know, five stars is great, you know, I mean, but, you know, hey, if you, if you don't feel we're a five star, if all the shows that you listen to aren't five star worthy, then don't leave a review. But if you love any one of the two, three, four shows that come across the pod zone, give it a rating, give it a five star rating on whatever platform. And that just helps out. It helps us out on the back end. So we, we really like to try to to uh, increase that in, in those numbers. Um Coming up a little bit later, we're going to talk to Charles Edmond, who is actually finishing up a show that he's doing right now with uh, Coach McNair, Fred McNair. Uh, of course, Charles Edmond of the Alcorn Sports Radio Network. He did the play-by-play for the SWAC softball tournament, a part of the SWAC Digital Network. He will be doing play-by-play for the baseball tournament, which begins Wednesday morning. So we get a chance to talk to Charles and get a little preview of the SWAC tournament. Uh, Drew, let's talk. Let's kind of let's kind of just kind of wrap up a little conversation with some takeaways from the Black College World Series. Uh, I know HB, uh, Black College Nines just uh, dropped their final. I believe they dropped the 
uh, top 10 poll, which is final now for the small division. And Correct. and then they, uh, I saw Michael Coker just dropped a superlatives article. So we can kind of, we can kind of plow through that for a quick second if you want. But uh, just to recap, the top 10 in the small school division. Now this is all based on results of the, not only the, the black college world series um, and, and the voting, but Edward waters university, <laughs> I got to tell them to change that. They got college on here. Edward waters university, number one team. They're the HBCU national champs, <clears throat> excuse me. Kentucky state finishes at two. Albany State finishes at three. Savannah State, you know, the disappointment that we didn't get to see Savannah State, but, you know, things happened. They finished four. West Virginia State, there's a team that that probably just missed out on getting an invite. They finished at five. Florida Memorial. West Virginia State would have been there were it not for their conference tournament that overlapped the, the Tyson Foods Black College World Series. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Florida Memorial, six. I I thought that was the team that uh, – that was the most surprising uh, outcome that, uh, you know, that, that's the team I thought if it wasn't Edward Waters, that was the team that I thought after day one was going to have the best shot at winning, um, you know, prior prior to that epic 9-8 uh, to eight game that Edward Waters beat them in. Uh, Miles comes in at seven, Rust eight, Payne nine, Bluefield State University. I guess we have to clarify to that university. too, right? Soon to be university, not university until July one. Oh, okay, okay. Bluefield State University, and and I saw your tweet. You you had tweeted out something about uh, <laughs> was there going to be two Bluefield universities out there, and uh, thankfully, Chris in the same uh, city. Yeah, are they in the same city? Really? Yes, they are in the same city. Wow. They're blue, Bluefield. I think it's Bluefield, Virginia, Bluefield, West Virginia, but they're on the they're right there on the line or something like that. It's it's weird how they do it. One was college, one was one was university, but Bluefield University is not state. Bluefield State is state, and they're and they're right. like so many of our HBCUs, literally across the street from each other. Well, Florida, right. Florida State, Bay of you. Yeah, you understand how that works back in the day. Obviously, you know, you weren't letting black folks go to school with, with white there folks. There was some so type of natural I, dividing line. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the railroad track or the graveyard. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> something. Something. So, uh, so yeah, that's interesting. June, June or July 1? Which one? July, July 1. 1. July yes. 1, they will be Bluefield State University. Uh, BSU, Big Blue, man, they are they are moving, aren't they? And then I read something about them looking to change conferences too. They've been exploring the CIAA for the last couple of years, trying to get into the CIAA. Obviously, with the rumors that someone from the CIAA was uh, seeking to go move up to the MEAC. Bluefield, Bluefield was a natural fit. They geographically they fit perfectly into the C, the CIAA. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I believe in basketball, the the CIAA is odd. So that would be good. It would be interesting to see what they do with football. Now, is Shawan 
moves all the way out in football, Bluefield's a natural fit. That still keeps you at 12 in football. But you remember basketball, they only have 11. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so over in the, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about the large school here a little bit later when we get into maybe uh, talking a little bit more with Charles Edmond. Uh, obviously, it's heavy. It's heavy swack. Although, you know, the, the MEAC champion is rated lower than the than the runner up. We'll talk about who that is. And you you were out and in Norfolk State there. to cover that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, we'll talk about that when we come back. For, for the we'll talk about that because that, that was funny. That was funny. Um, your calls, because I, I swear when you called me about that, I thought it was over and I thought you were on the road. And then when you called me, I'm like, what? That game's still going on? And so, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, all I'm going to do is if, if, if you had the over under combined set at 20, you you won. If you had the over under set at thirty, you got to push. Right, right. I'm I'm all for more 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 betting options in college baseball, please. Uh, not not right. I, I, I got to say this, and shout yeah. out to uh to uh to Nor- no, to Norfolk University for hosting it, to Coppin State, and to Delaware State, but. Y'all can excuse me for saying this. The BAC championship game, the if game, is the per- is the perfect example of why you do not want if games in your championship game. Because the quality of play from the title game, from the first game to the if game, was a tremendous drop off and it wasn't due to the to the kids not being there it was due to the lack of pitching left in the by, by both teams at that stage in the tournament but we'll get into that as we, we uh, actually break down the uh BAC championship game and, and something to think about that drew would that have been better served to have your if game the next day or on a yes. separate day that I mean, I know that's logistically you have to try to plan for that, but I think that's the better move to have your if game be another day and not yes. later that afternoon or evening, right? A double as a double header. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's yeah. go. Let's quickly go through some of these superlatives. Want to encourage you to go to blackcollegenines.com. Go take a look at this article. Just came out by Michael Coker. Um, some of the different superlatives that came out of the tournament that he brings up. Tournament noise. He said the loudest dugout chatter came from Florida Memorial. Um, that team uh, uh, with a mixture. Yeah, I would challenge that one. Yeah, Aki Vamos was uh, one of the big rallying cries, which means here we go. In Spain, I would think Rust. I thought Rust had. Oh, that's what I said. Maybe, I would challenge that one. Yeah, with, with, with I, I Rust. Would think Rust College had, had some of the best chatter. Um, Talladega was, was, was a strong three, and uh, you actually all of the NAIA teams were louder than the NCAA teams. And I don't know if that's just because of the culture of the NAIA versus the NCAA, but I put all four NAIA teams 
above the NCAA teams when it came to noise from the dugout. And I don't mean bad noise. I just mean the softball-like yeah. chatter. Softball-like chatter, yeah. But uh, that the last game on day one was, I think that was Talladega and Rust. That yeah. was the loudest. There was so much energy coming off of that game. Now, as long at as a night we at night. had – Yes, at 11 o'clock at night, and I'm talking, it was just chatterboxes, and it was pretty amazing to watch. Uh, props to uh, uh, to them. Best confidence boost, Mike gives, Michael gives it to Kentucky State. Um, obviously, after losing the first game of the tournament uh, to number one seed Albany State by a score of 12-2, okay, that team rallied to win three straight games, and – um, eventually get very close to uh, winning the uh, World Series um, from out of the Division II bracket. Um, what do you I'm, – I'm trying to read here, but what, what do you think about best confidence boost for Kentucky State? Especially when you consider the fact that Kentucky State was the visiting team in four of the five games they played. Which means they got a bat first. Bat first. And yes, they do not have yeah. the the benefit of having last at bat. You know, that and there's something about that, especially uh the second Albany State game when they had to win it in the twelfth, and then you have to hold on in the bottom of the twelfth uh to win it. Nineteen players, Brian. Only nineteen players came from Kentucky State. So, and, you know, and Deshaun Herskin, the pitcher who won, despite being on the losing team, had an ERA under one in over 10 innings of uh, play in the tournament. I believe it was like a .78, something ridiculous like that. He gave up one run in like 10.1 innings. Yeah, I, I definitely I would give Kentucky State credit for doing the most with the least. Uh, if if there was such an That's award, yeah, do, doing the most with the east with the least definitely goes to Kentucky State. Um, and uh, I I didn't get a chance. There's a great article by Coach Rob Henry from the Coach's Box, which also is on BlackCollegeNines.com. I I didn't get a chance to read all of it. But um, I, I started reading it and I, while I was at school. And then, of course, as things go, you get, you get pulled away to do other stuff and get distracted. But I do plan on going back and reading because I'm real curious about some of the, some of the decisions um, that, that he made. And you know, like I said, it, when, when, you're in the, when you're in the fire, it's always interesting to hear how coaches process things as they're seeing them. So uh, I, I look forward to going back and reading his thoughts. Um, best game, Florida Memorial versus Edward Waters. I think we'd have to say two, not one, but two. And now this is the game that started four hours, uh, two hours late, started at 9.55 Central Time and ended at 1.30 a.m. Central Time, which – for two Florida schools, that means the game did not end until 2.30 in the morning. Um, loser go home, and it was a 9-8 game. I I don't know, Drew. You Give, give me something that topped that one. 
Russ Talladega on day two, Ooh, yeah. which was an elimination game, okay. which was won on a walk-off single. Okay. Okay. So mm. I I'm putting that one above above that game. And just below that game has to be the 5-4 victory by Kentucky State with uh, Thompson's hitting a home run in the 12th inning. That's top that, that game inning, would be yeah. yeah, the top of the 12th. That game would be just below that. And honestly, the championship game would probably be number four on my list, despite the because it was good. It was it was a great game, but it was I don't know if the, if the bats were tired or the pitcher was that good, but it was a three-two game where, where hits were a premium in the championship game, which was surprising. We all expected we, had- we all expected it to be a twenty-run a, a game. Yes, <laughs> yes, we all expected runs, and then what? What do you know? We get a pitching duel, and a, it's just like it was me? a classic, a classic. And like you know, are you guys really going to give us a pitching duel? uh in the championship but we've been watching runs galore here over the last three to four games leading up to it um last superlative or last two superlatives best single game performance by a player uh edward waters nine to six win over rust in day one keelan washington went three for four the three hits included a double triple and four runs batted in um I'll tell you what I I will I will throw in a um, uh, a shot for I think Axel Gomez of Florida Memorial. He was like four for six, and this might have been in the game where they beat Edward Waters fourteen to one. But but in one of those games, he was four for six, had like four or five RBIs. Uh, he had a pretty good game that day, if I recall. Um, and then there were some performances by Miles. I'd have to really go back. That's interesting um, that, uh, that he gave it to. That's early on, too. Edward Waters, that was game number one, day one, that uh, Washington did that. Any game performances stand out for you? No, I think you I think you hit it on the head uh, with uh, Keelan Washington, uh, Axel, Axel Gomez, although Thompson in the game in which he hit the home run had a pretty good game also i don't remember what his stat line was but he was like uh two for four two for four two for five something like that but he had a couple of key hits in that particular game and base with great stabs at first base yeah um let me last one here is best pitcher uh of course he gives it to uh deshaun hershkin Kentucky State, as you mentioned, had a 0.87 ERA, 1-0 in two appearances, um, 10.1 innings pitched, allowed eight hits, two runs, struck out 14. In one of those games, he struck out 11. Uh, so, yeah, pretty in performance. I would give, an all to, I would give a, a runner-up to Cody Long of Miles who in uh, one of those Miles games, he was, mo- I mean, he was he was mowing guys down. And I think he had one bad, I think this was the game where Miles had a big lead. And he kind of, he had a bad inning is what it was. I, he had one bad inning 
and it kind of messed up his ERA, but really he had a he had a good performance all the same. So uh, how about you? Would you agree with the best pitcher? Any other pitching performances stand out for you that you can think of and recall? Uh, the starter for Albany State on day one. And give me a I will pull up his name for you because he went the distance in that particular game and gave up one run. Uh, that would be uh, I've got all the stats right here, and I'm trying to go back and find this particular game. Well, we can come back. We can come back to it. Um, I think we can we can we we can get into co- talking about a couple things with Charles Edmond on the other side of the commercial, and I can and we can ask Charles what his oh here yeah I'm sorry Bullock. Bullock uh, for Albany State uh, pitched seven innings. Uh, game was short due to the run rule. Gave up one earned run, two walks, three three strikeouts in in that in that particular game. Okay, so okay. That, that was another um, key uh, key game for us. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we get come back on the other side, we'll talk to Charles Edmond and ask him about the if game. Jeremiah Clark, obviously on. Uh, YouTube chat doesn't think we should have the if game. He said, no, you should not have an if game once the teams make the championship game. And now that's surprising for a Jackson State guy to say that, given how your team got screwed last year. You guys got screwed, I mean, royally screwed. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I applaud him for saying no. I To me, after we got screwed with the no if game last year, I'd be 38 mad. I, I'd, I'd want the if game because, yeah. I mean, you, you you played a perfect conference season, perfect tournament. You get to one game, one play, and you're done. And no NCAA tournament. Anyway, let's talk to Charles Edmond on the other side of the break. You're talk, uh, watching uh, the BCSN Sports Trap <laughs> with Brian and AD. We'll be back. Chris Alone, you forgot what we're doing. I, I totally forgot. Totally forgot. I'm taking all the way. I'm taking all the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a team player, and get on base by any means necessary. The three-one pitch. Oh my ball goodness! Oh wow! Right. Washington's gonna settle. He says he has it. The ball is gonna land in his glove, and that is the ball game. The Edward Waters University Tigers are the 2022. Tyson Foods, Black College World Series champions, and the HBCU national champions. Away right here. I'm taking all the way. I'm taking. Mobile banking from Truist actually works for you. It gives you simple, smart personalized insights to keep you one step ahead because we think that's the kind of control you deserve over your money when you start with care you get a different kind of bank truest download the mobile app now from novice to aficionado find yourself here high quality cigars plus personal customer service slow burn is waco's only Mobile Cigar Lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, 
www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. One bite of 100% Angus Beef Ballpark Frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. Wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. Welcome back to the BCSA and Sport Trap. Brian and AD joining us, good friend of the program uh, from Alcorn State Sports Radio, uh, the, uh, the the legend, the GOAT, Charles Edmond. Uh, just got finished uh, doing, a, uh, doing, a, doing a show uh, this evening and uh, had, uh, had some time. Uh, Tyson Poo's Black College World Series, I know that much. I missed it though. Trust me, I, I would have loved to have been there. That I think that is terrific. I saw you guys' coverage. Uh, I think you all did a terrific job. You know, thank you, Tyson, and I, I, I think AD, you all are doing a great job with that. I think it's just going to grow from here. That that's the plan. We, we we're looking forward to grow. Uh, got a lot of commitments from people within the city of Montgomery to help uh, make that a better event and just talk about it for a moment montgomery is pretty much a perfect location because it's central to all of the teams that would be coming most of the teams are within a five to six hour drive which is good for the fans who want to come and partake it for a few days you know outside the texas teams and florida memorial everyone else is within a very reasonable drive to montgomery alabama so yeah, I would definitely love to see if it's possible. I mean, I think now with the addition of Bethune and FAMU and just, you know, the calendar, I would love to see a World Series that involves, I mean, maybe maybe some some SWAC, well, not SWAC teams, but some MEAC teams perhaps. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely, you got the base for just a matter of would some of those other teams be interested. Yeah, well, Montgomery's interested in doing some Division One uh baseball events there it's just like you said the calendar just does is not cooperative with uh putting on that type of event in a, in a place like that especially when you consider school is out and you would have to turn it around fast because the, these universities are not going to keep these kids on campus just to play yeah. in this event yeah Hey, uh, here, here's an idea. Um, you know, you talk about the calendar and when would it fit? What about during that spring break time, you know, where colleges are on spring break 
Um, I don't know what the SWAC schedule and MEAC schedules look like during that time of the year. But, you know, you could maybe have some kind of tournament where you're able to invite four to six, eight teams even over a four-day, five-day period, and you're not losing much. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not losing school time. Um, I'm just talking ideas at the wall, so I I don't know what that – Two problems with that, Brian. Number one, everyone doesn't go on spring break at the same time. Problem number problem number one. So you would have to see which schools are on spring break, and those would be the teams that you would have to invite down. And then number two, with these those teams being in conference during the during that during that time of the year, how vested will they be in making that as far as their pitching and other things that will be required to have a, a a quality event. I like your idea, but those would be the two hiccups that I would see with putting on an event like that. What, what do you think about that, Charles? Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, in March, that's obviously spring break. Everyone's on a different schedule. And March is kind of the time where SWAC play gets wrapped up a little bit, ramped up. Um, I, I would say that if, if you're going to have something like that, I, if it's possible, the weather, maybe in February, because, you know, you, the, the SWAC, SWAC teams play in this MLB Urban Invitational in New Orleans. And so SWAC teams in that, like the second week in February, I think February would be a good month to have something like that if it's, <clears throat> if it's possible, because you're not in a conference play yet. Um, you're still trying to figure out your rosters, and I think that would be a good month to have it. I know for softball, it's a great month. For baseball, I think it would be a good month because you're not in the conference play yet. Uh, you haven't quite figured out your roster yet, so I think it would be good quality competition during that time of year. Now, I don't know if Mother Nature will cooperate, but I think February would be good as well. You'd have to go further south. Right. Yeah, Montgomery. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so Charles, you just finished up, before we get into talking about baseball, you just finished up calling uh, the softball tournament, the SWAC softball tournament for the uh, SWAC Digital Network. Prairie View, for those who don't know, Prairie View, Lady Panthers win the title. Um, I, I mean, here's a team that was 0-19. I, I just looked this, so I, I'm, I'm not going to claim to have known this before. 0-19 prior to... Well, that's how they start the season. Oh, and nineteen. I don't. I don't know if that was all preseason or all non-conference, or whether that was a little bit of the conference. But uh, they they come back and and win the SWAC tournament. Um, you know, credit to them beating Alabama State uh, after what did they have to beat them? They had to beat them. Let's see. They beat them, lost to them, then they beat them. So really, it was like a three-game period. They're almost a three-game series against Alabama State there at the end, um, then have the have the sort of the, the 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 luck of going and going play in Oklahoma, the number one team in the country. Uh, you know, Drew and I were talking about which teams are the furthest apart from competing against power fives or which sports. Sometimes it might seem like softball, but but just can you encapsulate what you saw uh, over the weekend from uh, Prairie View and just the softball tournament in general. Well, just you know, just just to talk about the Panthers, you're, they started out over nineteen. They didn't get their first win of the season until March the thirteenth. 
Okay, that roster has 15 newcomers and five of the veterans on that roster quit a month before the season started. So Coach Vernon Bland literally didn't know what he had. And so for them, and you can understand why they started out 0-19, and that included some some conference games in there. He, he really didn't know who he had. But they kind of turned things around in the series against Alcorn, in which they won two out of three, and then they kind of got going. And then, you know, I think Prairie View was the most solid team in the tournament. You know, they did make a lot of mistakes. They got timely hitting, and especially in the middle of their lineup, which they got two players that could just hit the ball out of the ballpark just when it looked like they were going to lose those games, that game against Bethune-Cookman. They come up with with, a, with three runs in the seventh inning, including back-to-back home runs to beat Bethune-Cookman, and then they just kind of took it from there. Now, in the championship against Alabama State, Alabama State went with one pitcher 99% of the whole swag tournament. And I think what Alabama State was trying to do was duplicate what they did last year. Last year, they had a pitcher by the name of Skylar Sullivan who pitched the entire SWAC softball tournament, every pitch of every game, and it worked. They were trying to do the same thing with a lady by the name of Bailey Greenlee, and Bailey Greenlee didn't have the stuff down the stretch. Parade, you got to her. A pinch hitter came up and hit a grand slam, and that was basically it. Bama State is one of those teams in which they can't win scoring five, six, seven runs. They have the pitching where they want to beat you three to two, so when that grand slam was hit, it was 8 nothing. It was over at that point, basically. Um, so Prairie View was the most consistent team down the stretch. They had enough pitching and just enough hitting. And Bama State just didn't have the bats. And I think their number one pitcher, their only pitcher, just didn't have it after pitching every game with the exception of three innings in the whole SWAC tournament. And that caught up with them. Now, that – is an if game scenario on display. Why can't the slack do this in baseball? Why? You can do it in softball. Why can't you do it in baseball? I'm gonna let Charles get it first before I throw my Charles, feel free to abstain from any questions that you can't answer. I, I to answer that question, I don't know. Because for the first okay, Alcorn made it to the championship bracket last year against Bama State and had to come back and play that second game, which they ran out of gas as well. Um, but it has been talked about amongst the softball coaches, why not use that if game for another day? And then you, you've, got, you've got that. Uh, that's a true double elimination tournament in softball. That's yeah. truly the way it's supposed to work. In baseball, yes. I don't think there's the oxygen to do that right now. Now, you've got some new coaches in there. You've got our coach, Reggie Williams. I do think there's, there might be a little bit of a push, but then you got to adjust the tournament just a little bit, and I don't know if if that's going to happen right now, but I do think there's going to be more of a conversation on it going forward. Go ahead, Drew. Number one, four letters will stop the swack oh, from having an if game. And you know what those four letters are. E-S-P-N. They want the championship game on, on, on the big boy network. And they're not going to get that coverage with an if game. Number one. Number I two. five letters. G. Go ahead. <laughs> number, number two on that. Did you see the MEAC if game this weekend that I was at? 
Oh. All 30 runs. All four hours and 32 minutes of it that I saw. Case number two. Brian, these, these teams don't have the arms. You got to think about it. Those BAC teams this year were used to playing four games in three days because they play four-game series. These SWAC teams are used to playing three games in three days. Now you're going to ask me, I'm used to play, my pitching is set to play three games in three days. You're asking me to play five games in three days or four days, five five games in six days, whatever, whatever it would take to get to that if game. So you're basically asking me to double my output with the same amount of arms. The quality of the game will go down just based on that in baseball. Softball, the pitching is not as demanding on the student athlete as it is in baseball. And I, I will I, I will make this I'll make this prediction. I've said it on Carlos Brown's show for weeks. Based on what I saw this past weekend, this year's SWAC baseball tournament might be the highest scoring tournament we've ever seen. Period. Mm. Jackson State can score runs. Southern can score runs. And if you can get into those teams pitching, there's no telling how many runs you can score. And I think you're going to see that probably starting Thursday, Thursday with the second round of games, and then into Friday, you're going to see a whole bunch of high scoring. And I think you're going to see it, it for the first game, uh, Jackson State Southern, Wednesday at 3 o'clock. You're going to see that. I think that's going to be a slugfest. I think you're going to see a ton of runs scored all weekend. The only thing that might slow it down is the weather. There's rain and forecast Wednesday and Thursday. That might slow it down a little. But other than that, I do think there's going to be a lot of runs scored. So that, to your point, you talk about arms. I think there's only a couple of teams that really have the depth and that can slow you down. I think one of them is Alabama State. I think Coach Vasquez, you know, took the Melendez playbook. It was at Bethune-Cookman. He wants to beat you two to one. His teams don't like to score a lot of runs because they feel like their pitching can stop you. Um, I, that's one team, and maybe Bethune or FAMU might be another team that I think can slow you down a little bit in terms of pitching. Uh, Charles, before I turn it back over to Brian, you talk, you think a lot of runs will be scored. Is that because of the lack of pitching or the depth of the hitting? Which one do you attribute it to more? I think it's I think it's the lack of pitching, especially – once you get into your third starter, you know, or your third your third substitution in the bullpen, let's just say Jackson State Southern, for example, your starter goes two innings, three innings, then your second guy goes two innings. So now you're going into your third pitcher day one. Now your whole plan changes because you don't have a lot of arms to begin with. Teams like to score a lot of runs and just will you to death in terms of beating, just beating the life out of you. That's what teams like. That's what Jackson State did last year. They could score as many runs as you want to score. They were up 13 to 1 last year on Grambling. They lost the league, and everybody thought Grambling had them. And I said, no, sir. Jackson's going to find a way to win this game because they can score as many runs as they need. Their pitching couldn't hold up, but they can score a ton of runs. So I, I think it's just a lack of quality pitching. I think there are a lot of arms, but can you get a guy in the middle of a game, mid-reliever, that's got to go two innings, three innings to set up for your closer? Do you have that? Don't know. I think that's I think that's a tough one for a lot of our teams, with the exception of a couple that I mentioned. So I think, right, I think the answer to your question is you don't have a lot of depth 
quality and depth. I think it's more so quality. Not saying the pitchers are bad. I just think that it's just not all the way there. And I might be wrong, but I, I think based on what I've seen from these teams, I just think it's going to be a lot of runs scored because a lot of teams going in their pitching, and it's going to be tough to stop the bleeding in a lot of cases. Um, I, I'm still stuck on this if game thing because I know we I know I know we're talking about this this whole championship game. It's like you're playing double elimination until you get to the championship game, right? And I'm just I'm looking at the bracket, right? And I'm trying to we're talking. Okay, so we'll just go by example. Obviously, you know, Southern is the one seed in uh, bracket A. Uh, having won the West, um, Alabama State is the one seed in bracket B, having won the East. Okay, so by my by my calculations, let's just say Southern loses game one, right? You got in order to get back up to the sort of single elimination contest against the winning team, a winning unbeaten team. You're basically playing one, two, three. You've got to get to that fourth game in order to play uh, the team that has been unbeaten at that point in time. But let's just say you happen to beat that team. Guess what? Oh, now we have a fifth game because it's not double elimination yet. Because that team hasn't lost. So now, then you by the time you get to game, what they call 11B, which is the Saturday afternoon game. The bracket that's if semi- game. That's, right. the, that's the bracket, yes. That's the bracket if game. I don't know how you don't end up with the bracket if game, first off. Uh, well, you do, I guess, if the winning team that hasn't lost keeps winning. I.e. Jackson right. State last year. I.e. Jackson State, right? So the pitching scenarios work out. Now, most of these teams have been operating off of three starters, a Friday starter, Saturday starter, Sunday starter. Um, what are you going to do? I mean, look, we, we, you've got bullpens. You, you're going to have to go somehow when you get to these championship games. You're not going to – I mean, unless you're going to throw out the guy from day one in the championship game, I, which is which, I which you, I just, which you would probably do and get as many in and out of as you can. I, I guess here's my thing. Here's my thing. I understand wanting to put that game on the 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 multi letter network for Sunday championship day. But if you want to send your best team, and this is what I go back to, sending your best. Jackson State was the best team in the SWAT, might have been one of the best teams in the South. You mean to tell me that they were robbed of that opportunity because we didn't have a true format, because we just wanted to put it on ESPN? Really? I mean, you couldn't have had – I mean, so what? Why is it – I mean, you got your own digital network. We're not, we not going to get into the whole discussion about your own, your own television networks and digital, but so what? It's on ESPN. So what? Do what's best for the best team in your league. I'm I'm sorry. I, I know Jeremiah Clark is, and I'm at look. I let Charles. You'll never hear me advocate for Jackson State ever again. Jeremiah Clark is still <laughs> on my side. You, you beat me up in the chat room, Jeremiah. I'm advocating for your school. 
Charles, help me. I don't know. You, you've already, you're probably like, you know, Brian, I'm beating a dead horse, but. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, there are other people. My buddy Carlos Brown advocates for this too. Like, send your best, and your best should be representative. I get that. But baseball is such a – and I think if you talk to 12 coaches, probably nine of them will probably side with keep it the way it is in terms of uh, making sure that everyone plays in this tournament or eight out of 12. Uh, there's going to be probably three. I would say two-thirds would say keep it the way it is. Probably a fourth would say send your best. But we have to do better, though, during the regular season in order for that to happen as well. You know, we got to win some games during the midweeks um, because our case is, is, is hard to make our case when we're beating up on each other. Jackson State had a terrific year. They went 24-0. And they – and I everybody just said last year, hand them the championship. Just give it to them. I said, not – quite so fast because I'd seen them. They had not really been close to losing a game. So what happens when you do get close to losing a game? Well, against Grambling, they led 13 to one and they lost that lead and they, they've won the game. But then against Southern, they played their worst game and a half of the whole year in the tournament. And so that's why to me, you have to finish the deal. Now, the commissioner talked about this at large bid. He talked about that at the softball tournament. We as a conference have to do better with that to get not only maybe one but two teams in there. But, you know, clearly to me, baseball is the ultimate grind where you're playing 50-plus games and you you screw it up in an inning and a half and it's all over. And it's unfortunate because I do want to see the best team go. But I think if you talk to nine of the 12 coaches in baseball, they're going to tell you let's play it out in the tournament. And until that mindset changes – if the coaches say we're going with the tournament, doesn't matter about the best team. You got to prove it starting, you know, on Wednesday in Birmingham. I think that's the way it'll go. I, I don't see it changing just based on the coaches I know and kind of the way their mindset is. I don't think it's going to change because you've had a four seed win the whole thing. You had a three seed win the whole thing. Southern University won it last year. They weren't even talked about all year until the last inning and a half of the championship game. So that's why the mindset – that you're talking about that a lot of people talk about, I think it's not going to change because the coaches don't want it to change in, in large part. Hey, hey, Brian, in order for you to get what you want, they would have to extend the tournament out to allow these the starters to get more rest. And if you do that, you might as well go to the NCAA format that they use in, uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma. Where the two where the two bracket winners come out and play a best of three if you want a true double elimination because the, technically the, the winners of those two brackets are o and o going into that championship and then you have a championship series but then you're talking about a week-long swag tournament not a four-day swag tournament or five-day swag tournament that would be the only way that something like like what you're talking about would play out they would have to get more rest for especially for the number ones and number twos of these teams to be able to go. Well, 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 there is a window though for it. Okay. So if, if yep. each team, if there's a team that goes undefeated in each bracket, then there's no baseball on Saturday. Saturday's a Good dead idea. day. And I've, I've dealt with that before where no baseball, both bracket winners go undefeated. You got no baseball on Saturday. You play for it all on Sunday. And that one day's rest, I can tell you being a part of it is, something special because you get 
30 minutes of practice, you get to kind of chill out a little bit and you get a chance to reset, rethink, and then go with your best and everybody's available. So if you take care of your business, if you go undefeated, bracket A, bracket B, you got no baseball Saturday, you got a fresh two fresh teams on Sunday. Does it necessarily work that way all the time? No, it doesn't. Because you're going to have sometimes one game, maybe two games on Saturday. That does happen. But I think if teams do what they're supposed to do and go undefeated in each bracket, whichever two teams do, then you you got that window where pitching isn't doesn't necessarily matter because you got that one-day break, and then you play for it all one game on Sunday. The Okay, so moving off of the the, the if game topic, let's talk about the other hot topic that I think is real interesting when you get to the SWAG tournament is that you have teams from the East playing teams from the West and they haven't played each other during the regular season. I think that is that, that probably let's be real. I'll be, I'll be honest. That's probably the more fascinating thing. This is just me on my soapbox standing out there on the street corner by myself uh, talking about, I want to, I want a NIF game, but anyway, um, you've got Prairie View versus uh, okay. Let me start from the top. First game out. You've got Florida A&M who finished as the two seed, by the tiebreaker, they beat Bethune Cookman four of six times. That's how they ended up as the two seed. Um, they're playing the three seed from the other side of Preview AM. Haven't played them all year. Southern and Jackson State. Um, look, hey, that's a already that that's a classic right there. I mean, that's a repeat repeat of the championship game. Three o'clock. All eyes will be on that game, no doubt. Then you've got get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. And, and, and shout out, you know, the schedulers should have made that the last game of the day. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, be real. That should have been the last game. With all respect to Alabama State, that should have been the last game of day one. Then uh, you've got on the other side, you've got Grambling and Bethune. Again, have not played each other. And then you have Alabama State, Texas Southern, East versus West matchup. Uh, what What's your, your as much as you can – analyze these matchups charles what's what's your thought on, on these matchups and just that whole concept of swag east playing swag west and you never played them during the regular season well you know i've talked to some of the coaches about that you know the alabama state texas southern they're not going to see each other during the regular year there's no incentive to play money finances play a part in it i mean you could play probably midway point between montgomery and houston but financially it probably won't happen. It probably doesn't make sense to to either one. Um, so to answer that question, you know, in softball, they used to have what was called the softball roundup. And that was played in Hattiesburg, in which you had matchups against teams that you didn't you didn't necessarily play um, with these different mat with these different divisions. That's called the SWAC softball roundup. They don't have a they don't have it anymore because once Bethune FAMU came in and all that was taken away. But there's some talk about it maybe coming back. I thought of a baseball roundup where you have an Alabama State, Texas Southern during the regular season, but I think financially and, and, it probably won't happen. And, but but you play the game at Southern, so Alabama State could get two games in. They could play Southern and Texas Southern at Southern, which is kind of a midpoint between between the two. I'm just throwing something out yeah. there. Let's see if the spaghetti oh, yeah, stick yeah, to the yeah. wall. I mean, it could, it could it it could definitely. I mean, you could find a <laughs> midway point somewhere in there. But I, I don't know if the coaches would, would go forward necessarily. And I think probably the ADs and the finance CFOs probably would balk at it as well. As a fan of the SWAC baseball, I would love to see that. But I'm probably in the 
in the minority. Um, I, I think clearly, you know, that FAMU Preview matchup, you know, Preview is a weird team, man. I mean, they were one of the hottest teams on the Western side. Texas Southern spanked them a couple of times, and then Preview wakes up in the final day of the regular season. And, you know, Coach Riggins was kind of a lot of people worry would he make it, but he's he's kind of played his way out of it. That's going to be a terrific matchup, I think. Um, I think Jackson State Southern speaks for itself. I mean, that's going to be a, a, a dog fight from beginning to end. And these two teams will probably meet again, uh, I have a feeling, because the brackets roll around, you're going to probably see them again, these two teams. Um, Texas Southern, Bama State, I think it's going to be a chess match. Um, Mike Robb, if you look at Texas Southern, they're one of the top teams in the country in stolen bases. They're one of the top teams in the country in terms of doubles. So they're going to beat you with their speed. They're going to make you feel the ball. And if Bama State is not ready for that, I think Texas Southern can run all over the place. Now, I'm sure Coach Vasquez thinks he has the arms to throw Texas Southern's hitters off balance to keep them close at first to where they don't have that speed. So I think that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic. You know, Grambling, they got a first-year coach, Davin Pierre, who, uh, who took the place of Coach uh, James Cooper, who's working with the New York Yankee organization. You know, Coach Pierre's team was one of the hottest teams in the Western side. They had a pitcher, Shamar Page, throw a perfect game. Um, so their, their, their pitching is solid, and they can hit the baseball. I think Bethune is one of those teams that I think they want to throw a lot of arms at you. They want to slow you down. So I think speed, just like in softball, I think the biggest thing that I saw in the softball tournament, every team had speed and speed made the difference. And so I think whichever team can utilize it right, whichever team can execute the small things, the sacrifices, I think those teams are going to do well. It's hard to slug your way to a championship, and I think that's what happened with Jackson State because they could score as many runs as they needed to, but they just couldn't score enough in the championship game. But I think there are a lot of teams that can score a lot of runs, but I think it's going to come down to which team might have that one more arm that can get you two innings, and slow you down just enough. I think whichever team can do that will have a chance to make a deep run in the baseball tournament. Hey, hey Charles, now you, you just kind of broke down these teams. If if you had to guess, day, day two, which side, which division is more likely to have all their teams in the winner's bracket, the East or the West? If all if all four teams from one side or the other were all to be in the winners bracket on day two, which side do you think it would be? Oh, it's a good question. I'm gonna say the East, and I'm only gonna say the East because I do think if you look at the teams in the West and the teams in the East, because of Bethune and FAMU. And Bama State, I'm gonna give a little bit of the edge to the East because of the pitching. I think Preview can score a ton of runs. Southern, I just saw them last weekend. They got some heavy hitters in the middle of the lineup. Um, Texas Southern can use their speed. If you neutralize that, you can slow them down just a little bit. But I think as far as bats versus arms, I think the arms are on the eastern side. If I were just to take a guess and looking at the numbers and based on what I've seen with my four eyes, and I need more, by the way. Uh, you know, I, can, <laughs> uh, I would say the East. I think the West is more bat heavy. I would say the East is more arm heavy. That that's the way I would I would I would, I would break that down. 
Now, I'm going to take that one step further. Give it that scenario. You said the East. What percentage would you put on it if that, that actually could happen uh, this this Wednesday? But all four East teams would win. They won. Um, so 10%, 5%. Third? I think I'm going to say 50-50. Wow. That I high. See, I, I, I see two teams from the East that – Winning the first game, and I see two teams from these losing. I'm gonna say 50-50. I mean that 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 may be the safe bet, but just based on what I've seen, you know, Jackson Southern. If, you know, and I, I, I think know I, that I think that's the game right there that would determine if if you get all could possibly get all four. <laughs> yeah. If Jackson could beat Southern, there's a possibility you could get all four East teams in the winners bracket on Thursday. Well, you know, J- Jackson State at the beginning of the year, I was wondering if they were going to make the tournament because they, I mean, Jackson State, their their roster is totally revamped. And I think it was a struggle for them to kind of figure it out. But they're scoring a bunch of runs of late. They scored 27 against Valley. I mean, I know it's Valley and they didn't make the tournament. But Jackson <laughs> State has the capability of doing that. Um, I, I think what Jackson wants to do is start off fast and score a ton of runs and get in the Southern bullpen. And, and just just wear them out. I think that that's the, that's what they're trying to do. But I'm, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say 50 50. I, I I think two teams from the East will win game one, and two teams from the West. I'm not gonna go off. It's gonna be a four game sweep. I'm not gonna go one out of four. I'm gonna go 50 50. That might be the safe way out, but that that's the kind of way I look at it. One last, one last thing. You, you talk about getting off to a fast start. One thing that we noticed, we talked about this at uh, Tyson's Food, Black College World Series, Brian. It seemed like after day one, the visiting team won a majority of the games. They got out uh, to that early start in those first two innings, uh, being at the top of the inning. Do, do you see any advantage to actually being the visiting team uh, in, in this SWAC tournament, getting that first at bat versus being the home team and getting that last at bat? I don't. I, I think it's all kind of neutralized um, to me. I, I, I tell you one thing that I've noticed in the softball tournament that I think that we don't talk about enough. It's the timing of these games. I think the toughest bracket in softball and baseball, if you're in that 9 a.m., 3 p.m. bracket, okay, so you play at 9 o'clock in the morning, which is tough for anybody. It's tough for me to get up and do something that early in the morning. Right, because you're at the ballpark at 7. That means if you lose that 9 a.m. game, you got to come back at 9 a.m. You're playing three straight 9 a.m. games. If you're in that 3 o'clock game and you win, the nine threes are in the same bracket, right? So if you lose the 3 p.m. game, you're you're done at 6. By the time you get to the hotel and get off your feet, it's 8, 9. You got to get up at 6, 5 to get ready to play at 9 a.m. the next morning in that bracket. I think that's the toughest. One thing I noticed this year, that's the toughest bracket in either softball or baseball at nine three. Now the noon six is great because you're playing that second game at noon. You're playing the last game at six. You don't know how these other games are going to go in front of you. You might be playing later, which is good for you. But if you're in that nine three, that's because you know you're going to play at nine and the game is going to start at nine, you know, unless weather. So I think that's the toughest bracket. I think that plays a factor in, in a lot of this stuff too. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's the uh, Florida A&M Prairie View matchup at 9 a.m. And then Southern Jackson State at 3. And then, like yep. you said, the losers, 
losers are playing at 9 a.m. the next, next morning. morning. <laughs> yes. And then you win that game, and then you're playing at 9 a.m. the next day. So, yes. and uh, I, I, I specifically recall how hard that was for Alabama, uh, no, Albany State in the they Black College consecutive World by the time they got to that third 9 a.m. game, they were done. They were they were toast. And uh yeah, so you're right. It 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 does have an effect on them. Uh one final thing to kind of add on to as you were talking about hitting versus pitching. I, I went back and looked at the numbers. Now I don't know if you like to look at overall conference stats or whether you like to look at conference only, but it, it kind of falls almost identical regardless of which stats you look at, whether you look at their overall stats or their conference-only stats. But the best-hitting teams are all from the, – the three of the top four are from the West. Texas Southern, Grambling, Prairie View, one, two, three, and then you have Alabama State. But your three best pitching schools all from the East. Bethune, uh, Alabama State, and FAMU are two and three, depending upon whether you look at overall or conference – and then you either have Jackson State on the overall, you have Prairie View on the on the uh, uh, on the conference only. So that right there, that's three games. That's three of those matchups: FAMU versus Prairie View A&M, pitching versus hitting. Which one do you think it favors? Who? Grambling versus Bethune, oh. pitching versus hitting. Alabama State, Texas Southern, pitching versus hitting. And I say that, you know, because that that hitting can sometimes be a little flawed based on your opponent. I would say it, I would say advantage pitching in the first. It's gonna what's gonna be critical is the first nine, the first nine in the lineup. As a pitcher, when you go through that lineup the first time, advantage pitching. But then, as we know, teams scout you, teams chart you, and I think once you get to that second and that third and that fourth at bat, then things change a little bit. So I think what happens in the first nine, as far as the pitching is concerned, I think is really important. If that pitcher gets off to a slow start and has four walks in the first nine batters, or if that pitcher has four strikeouts in the first nine batters, it, clearly that pitcher has the edge. But, you know, nerves play a factor. You know, this is the SWAC tournament, the pressure. It's, it's a completely different animal in the Southwestern Athletic Conference baseball tournament. I've seen it. It's just pitchers that you just think they're going to mow people down. They struggle. It's pressure. It's the postseason. You're two and done. Your season's over. So I think that's, you know, teams like Jackson State, Southern, they have the experience. Bama State has the experience. Texas Southern has the experience. They've all won championships in the conference here lately. When you're talking about Bethune and FAMU, it's going to be a different experience for them now. I mean, the difference between the MAC, uh, the MEAC and the SWAC. It's going to be interesting that first go around, that first game. But I think once they get their feet under them and they realize the energy the difference, I think that's where pitching comes in, and that's where you have to make the adjustment. Key number you need to look at, Brian, the number 15. Look at the look at the pitcher's pitch count per inning. If he's averaging 15 or fewer pitches per, per inning, advantage pitching. If, if 15 to 20, He's gonna be he's gonna be decent. If he's up over twenty pitches per inning, 
definitely definitely advantage to the hitter and, and get the bullpen up early because that pitch count is going to get up and that team is going to be in for a long day, Brian. So the key number is 15 uh, as you watch it at home. Keep up with that pitch count, 15 per inning. Well, that you know, that's a, that's a really good point because I've talked with quite a few coaches about that strategy. Okay, so one of the things to look at, you talk about pitch count. So let's say FAMU, FAMU Prairie View. FAMU gets three in the top of the first inning, okay? Prairie View comes to bat. The pressure's on Prairie View now to try to get it back. You can't get it back in one swing unless you got two runners on. I've seen this where you, you, you feel the pressure to go up there hacking. You're thinking you can get three runs back with one swing in the bat. You can if there are two runners on, but if you're leading off, you can't do that. So there's pressure to go up there hacking, thinking you can get it all back. And that favors the pitcher instead of making pitchers work. I've seen this where they send 10 to the plate, score four runs on five hits, and then the next pitcher has an eight-pitch inning. I've seen that so many times. That's disastrous because your pitcher just labored out there the last half inning. So you want to give your pitcher a break, but then you go up there hacking, you have three pop fly balls, the next thing you know, that pitcher is right back out there. And then that, that's when the wheels come off because you see that pitcher clearly doesn't have it. Now you got to go into your bullpen, and now things kind of start to splinter a little bit. And that's how you go into your pitching staff in that type of fashion. Um, final question for you, Charles. If you had a vote, I don't know if you have a vote, what kind of things are you looking for in terms of pitcher of the year and hitter of the year? And as they get into the uh, the, the final season awards for the uh, SWAC, what, what are some of the – because the stats vary from guy to guy, from player to player, what what's the one or two stats you might compare two or three guys against each other? Um, well, I, I, I do think that probably the pitcher of the year is probably going to be Page of Grambling because he threw a perfect game. Um, I think that's one of the – I mean, it was the 34th perfect game pitched in college baseball history. I think that and the year that he's had, I think that – I might be wrong about that one, but that I think that that one is already done. Um, I think if you look at Southern and Jackson in terms of what they've been able to do and score a lot of runs, I think there are you know a couple of guys there. I, I think there are a lot of good hitters in this league this year, and I think that race, I think it's going to come down to the wire. I, I I can't really give one guy because there's so many good hitters. This was a hitter's year, you know. There was a lot of guys that did a lot of good stuff at the plate. And, and and you see these high scoring games that, that you've seen, I think it's gonna I think that's gonna be a hard one to determine because you got so many so many guys with good bats throughout the course of, of, of the year. I think that's gonna be a hard one. Mm. It's it's funny it's funny you bring that up because uh paid I mean it again, I I'm old school thought. I look at things like ERA, win loss games, uh, maybe strikeouts or any pitch. Um, Shamar, he's right up there among season totals for wins. Um, I think the high is eight. He's got seven. ERA, he's actually number four with ERA. Uh, Innings pitched, he does lead the conference in innings pitched. Uh, In terms of strikeouts, he leads in strikeouts. So, it's interesting, you know, to see how much value that complete game 
uh, that perfect game, excuse me, I, I don't want to diminish it as a perfect game, how much value you get out of a perfect game versus if he didn't have a perfect game, but let's just say it was another complete game, would you look at Shamar Page any different this year? I think people might. But then yes. you look at, the, you know, you look at he had a good season, one of the three best, and then you throw in the complete game or the p- perfect game and you give him the award. I, I just that's interesting. That's interesting. So I think I, if, you know. I, I think it would be more of a shoe in if Grambling won the West. If Grambling and, 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 yeah. and that Western division, if the West was up for grabs, I mean, going into this past weekend, you had four teams separated by one game. Yes. So Grambling very yes. easily could have won uh, won the West, but you know clearly Southern handled their business, and you know, obviously they you know they had a game lead, Southern did, and they didn't relinquish it. But if Grambling had won the, the West, I would say that Sh- Sh- uh, Page would probably have got that. You know, I think Page would probably would have had it done. Now it still might be the case. I don't know. I don't have a vote. Um, you know, and I think that it'll be interesting to see this all conference team. It'll it'll be released. I believe on Wednesday, if not tomorrow, uh, the softball uh, all-conference team was announced like an hour after the first game, uh, first softball game. So if, if that's the, the trend, then Wednesday late morning, we'll we'll know who the all-conference baseball team is. But I think Paige has got to be right up there. Now, if that perfect game got him to the finish line, well, you know, that's, that's kind of the way it, it, it's looked at too. I mean, if you do something outstanding, individually and then your team does something outstanding in terms of winning the division it's almost a shoe-in but that perfect game might get them to the finish line despite you know where, where Grambling finished we'll have to see how, how the voters think yeah uh be interesting to see I I think uh FAMU's Hunter Veach sits there right right there at the top of a lot of those categories obviously either ahead of Page or right behind Page and then of course you know, FAMU finished uh, second in the East. Uh, so, yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it ends up. And and then on the batting side, I think you probably you're probably going to end up seeing the uh, the young man from Southern. Uh, looks like you know if you just go off a of batting average, probably, and then uh, you know the kid from uh, from Southern, Jalen Armstrong, has the uh, the top batting average, but you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you necessarily go with, with, I mean, obviously number one team, best hitter on the number one team. So I think that kind of speaks well for him. So, all right, Charles, are you actually calling all the games or are you, are you kind of like taking a break in between games? No, I think it's going to be different this time. Um, I'm going to call some of the games. Centoria Black's going to work some of the games. Of course, Grambling is in the tournament. So uh, he'll be doing uh, – I'll be doing Grambling's games while Centoria does his games, and the other games will just kind of split up. I don't have my assignments quite yet, um, so I'll probably get that tomorrow when I, when I get over there. Uh, you know, the Mother Nature, Mother Nature, you know, the, the rain is, is, is coming. It's here. And I think that'll be something we'll have to be dealing with in terms of trying to get caught up. You know, softball, you had you played at the Gulfport uh, Sportsplex, which you had six or seven fields. So you can spread it out and get caught up. But with uh, baseball, it's you know, you're playing at Regents Park. Is there a backup? I'm sure the conference has a backup plan in case so you don't get backed up because, uh, you know, you got the one day Saturday. You got to try to get all these games in because the championship games on Sunday. 
I think we'll, we'll get there, but it's going to be interesting to, 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 to see how that's going to work. But this, this go around, Centoria Black will be working with me, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I just think baseball is just it's so, it's so uncertain. You know, Jackson State last year proved you go 24-0. Does that necessarily mean you hoist the trophy at the end? I just felt like they weren't challenged. And when they were, it, unfortunately, in the last two innings of that championship game, they couldn't, they couldn't get there. And so that's why I love baseball, because just because you went 24-0, does, does that necessarily mean you're going to be hoisting that trophy? Eh, the odds are yes, but maybe not. And that's what happened with Jackson State. They, they just couldn't finish the deal. And I, I know Omar Johnson, that's probably stinging him a little bit. Uh, you know, he has a pretty good short-term memory, though. He'll, he'll let it roll off his back. But clearly, we've been talking about that for the last year because that's highly unusual to, to, to see that happen. It's, it's like a SWAC basketball team going 18-0. and 0. You know, if, if Tamika Reed's team didn't win, the, didn't win the SWAC basketball tournament, we'd be talking about that for the next year or two. So we're, here it is a year I, I, later, we're talking about JSU not finishing the deal. So I, I, I do think that uh, it's wide open. You just can't assume the top seeds are going to get there. All it takes is just one or two bad innings. You go deep into your bullpen, and then all heck breaks loose. Then you got to put it together. You got to piece it together. And that's not always easy to do for any of these teams. Yeah. Regardless of what happened, Charles, I'll, I'll be there with you uh, for the weekend uh, at the SWAC tournament. I'll be in Birmingham on Friday. So I'll be there to, to, to join you and watch you guys. Yeah, hopefully Drew doesn't jinx you. Hopefully Drew doesn't. Hopefully Drew doesn't jinx you, and you end up with the game that starts at uh nine fifty five Central Time, Charles. <laughs> PM. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, look, I, I, I heard. I was hearing your conversation. You all had some long games down there, in Montgomery. Actually, it was just day three was the long day. The the the, the back half of day three. Well, day three, we had a we started off with a 12 inning game for the first game. Second game, second game went fine. No, uh, normal time. Third game was four hours and 20 plus minutes. Fourth game was three hours and 30 minutes. Mind you, this is baseball. You can't just throw a team out there. There's a minimum of 30 minutes between all of these games. So that four hour and thirty minute game was 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 five hours before we started that <laughs> that last game. So and, and trust me, the grounds crew rushed to get that field done. There was very little throwing in the outfield and all that stuff, but you know, and probably the the best one of the best games was the one that no one saw the end of because everyone fell asleep. I even fell asleep and I was at the park. I was sitting in the outfield and fell asleep, and, and I, I would hear I would hear a crack of the bat. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea, Charles. When I when I bought my five hour energy, I I never thought that it would run out. <laughs> Use all at, five uh, one in the morning. Yeah, I, I, I needed an extra one. I needed an extra yeah. one. Did not think I'd need it, but man, I tell you so. All right, well, hey, Charles, have a good broadcast, man. We'll definitely be watching. All the games will be on the, uh, except for the championship game, we'll be on the SWAC Digital Network. You can find that on YouTube. And uh, at Tall Man Radio, hit up Charles. As you're watching the broadcast, hit him up on uh, Twitter, the Twitter machine. I know he'll be uh, checking in every now and then. And uh, maybe he'll be responding to some questions. So if you're watching the game and you've got some questions, things you want to see, 
or you want to know about, feel free to interact with the host. You know, he'll uh, maybe he'll, he'll reach out and, and talk to you or let you know something as he's calling the game. Those are uh, that's always fun. So uh, have a good time, Charles. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. And uh, always appreciate you. All right, you guys appreciate it. All right, Drew, let's take a break and come back and wrap up a final segment after this break. All right, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Don't worry, Ma, we'll be there soon. We? All right. Is this the one? Well, let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. They're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app as we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the. <laughs> seven times the. No, no. Seven times the. Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplified Development Services. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. All right, thanks for joining us here at the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, give a shout out again to our good friend Charles Edmond. Again, all of the SWAC 
baseball tournament games are on the SWAC Digital Network, which you can find on YouTube. And then, of course, the championship game scheduled for Sunday noon, uh, Memorial Weekend, the 29th. Uh, we'll, it'll be interesting. The matchups, again, um, you know, as we talked about, it'll be real interesting to see how they break down. Day one should be a fascinating day of baseball on Wednesday. Uh, and notice, Drew, I noticed the time frames, the, the times, uh, you know, there's not much carryover. I mean, they've got a three-hour window, uh, 9, 12, 3, and 6. <laughs> you know, I always wonder, as offensive as these teams are, as offensively loaded as these teams are, man, you can, if you get some games that go three hours and 30 minutes, that last game – that last game won't start until mm, eight. I don't know. Eight. Do they yeah. have uh do they have field turf out there at Regions Field or are they playing on grass? I've, I've never been there, but I do believe it's natural grass. I believe most of the uh minor league parks are natural grass uh out there. And like you say, Brian, will it be offensive or will it be of offensive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well said, well said. Um, uh, let's go over it real quick. Let's go through the Black College Nines top 10 poll, the latest from the large school division. Obviously, this is not final. It won't be final until probably after the SWAC tournament. Alabama State comes in number one overall. Texas Southern comes in at number two. Interesting. Uh, because you know what, Texas Southern is what are they, the three seed? No, they're yes. the four seed in the tournament, but they are number two amongst the pollsters. AM, Prairie View AM comes in at number three. Florida AM comes in at four. Delaware State, MIAC runner up, comes in at number five. Bethune Cookman out of the SWAC comes in at six. Jackson State, seven. Grambling, eight. Coppin State, MEAC champions, nine. And uh, Southern, who is the SWAC West division winners, comes in at 10. What do you make of the such a, such a disparity between standings, rankings, and the pollsters, Drew, uh, on the Black College Nile? You know, I'm... You know, we're pollsters, uh, but uh, when you look at how everyone else is voting, what, what are your thoughts on the disparity or the, or the differences there in the, in the rankings? What surprises you? I'm going to give you an honest opinion, Brian. I don't think some of the pollsters may be doing their research before they, before they vote. I don't think they may be looking at who's hot, who's not, uh, overall record. You know, strength of the opponents. You know, I definitely question Texas Southern was two, you said? Yes, two. And when you look at some of those Texas Southern wins against uh, non-HBCU schools, I I have to question how can you put Texas Southern's record on paper looks good. Texas Southern's record against D1s is average. You know, same thing with the Jackson State, who's played so who's played a number of nine 
Division One schools also. So I, I, I question are people looking at just what they see on paper versus going and going behind the numbers like you like you and I do before we submit our uh our votes. Well, the one thing as I look at, you know, Texas Southern's schedule throughout the year, they don't play like during the heart of the conference schedule, they didn't play a lot of midweek games. You know, I, I see uh one game here where they travel to Texas. I see a a, a home and home. Well actually no it wasn't a home and home. It was two games where they played at Kansas State, um, and then uh, a, one game against Lamar, uh, Tarlington State. Uh, so prior to the conference, I mean, that's five five or four non-conference opponents. Now compare that to schools like Alabama State or Florida A&M who are playing almost every week they're playing a different opponent in the midweek, you know, um, and some of them a little bit tougher than, you know, the normal SWAC opponents, or at least in, in terms of the outcome. Um, but, yeah, and then, and then, like you said, then you get into the non-conference, and you got a lot of NAIA schools, some FCS, uh, or in terms of football, FCS, uh, NAIA schools, you know. So it's, it's, uh, it, it is a little misleading, but... That's why I said it, it'll be interesting to see. And then the SWAC West was just so offensive heavy. Um, of course, everybody picked on Alcorn when they had a chance. Uh, who else is out there? And, and UAPB. Yeah. No, and, UAPB. In the West. Valley in the East. Well, they remember the teams on West, they don't play the East. No, so, I'm saying, but the East, the Eastern teams at Valley. Yeah, but Valley was even I, – I bet you anything if Valley – Valley was in Valley – Valley was much improved. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were much improved. I mean, Valley, um, in terms of you know, well, I, they, how much improved? Look, they were, you know, uh, and, and, and then you had an Alabama. Improved. Go ahead. Oh, oh, what I was gonna say is overall, Valley was ten and thirty-one overall. Alcorn State was two and thirty-nine. UAPB was. 13 and 36. I mean, so even the bottom two of the SWAC East were a little bit better than the bottom two of the West. Right. And then you had an Alabama A&M who did not have a home field for the last uh, six weeks of their season. Right, right. And they were part of that bottom two. They did win their last two games, though. Uh, Against Alabama uh, beating... State? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure Alabama State may have uh, – pulled some guys after they realized they had won um after day one they realized they had won the swag east so those last two games were probably bullpen games uh maybe definitely giving other guys count. an opportunity yeah definitely you're not playing your best guys long long innings anyway in those contests but uh yeah it'll be fascinating to watch and then see how it unfolds and the MIAC. so you you were at the MIAC championship game um a game that seemed to go on forever games. drew plural well how what was the official time on that game did you did you catch that what was it uh it was four give me a second i'll pull it up it was i know the the if game was over four the the other game was like 236 or 246 
the first championship game was real short. But so the, that that game was played at what time in the morning? That was it was a noon start, noon Eastern. Wow. And so they played at noon and then they had to turn around and play the night game at what, four or five they, o'clock? They right? started that one at three thirty, which tells you how fast the first game got over with is that you started wow. and that was a forty five minute uh that was that was forty five minutes between game one and game two. Two thirty six was your time on the first game, Brian. And on the second game, and that was four to three. That, the game that yes, the game that would never end. <laughs> time was four twenty six. Started at three thirty five p.m. And the final score in that one was what, like 18 to 13 or something like that? 18, 18 to 12. Delaware State missed uh, two, two PATs. And Copper State, <laughs> Copper State got, uh, you know, they went for two and then kicked the field goal late. Man, I tell you what. And uh, so, yeah, now, now like, like our guy, Jeremiah Clark, I know you beat me up for this whole if game concept. But yes, that that the MIAC is a perfect example of why you don't want to do the if games in that close proximity. I mean, you know, you go from, hey, let's play, and then hey, let's turn around and play for the championship of our Again. tournament. That that yeah, that that's a bad example of how you do a, a, a championship if game. Final game, you know, that 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 was horrible the way that was done. Brian, here are your totals from the game. 30 runs, 27 hits, 24 left on base, 23 walks, 10 wild pitches, five hit Jesus. batters, three errors in four hours and 26 minutes. I honestly think if you have an if game – there should be a rule that says the final game is a seven inning game. You shouldn't have to play nine. You, really, you, you know what I'm saying? You don't want your championship decided on, on, a, on a seven inning game. And baseball is built to be a nine inning game. And the, matter of fact, the, there, are no, there, there is no mercy rule in the championship game. And <laughs> just, just, so you, just so you know, Brian, if you would have gone seven, Delaware State is your winner after seven with a score of 11 to eight. Look, again, I know we got to be smart enough to be able to figure this out, people. There are people in faraway places in other countries that can figure this kind of stuff out. And that game, you know what? That game was not on... You know, it was on HBCU Go, so it wasn't on ESPN. Right. It was being MIAC, streamed uh, on the MIAC, the MIAC Digital the, Network. So HBCU Go. Right. The MIAC, the MIAC could have shelled up and put those teams in a hotel another night and said, hey, we're going to play this game, this championship final game tomorrow. Or do do like what we suggested. I mean, what? But anyway, look, it's four teams. I mean, God, my, my, I mean, have mercy. It's four teams. 
You can figure <laughs> out how to spread this thing out over four teams. We're not talking an eight-game series, Drew. We're talking four teams. You could have done a round robin four teams and then <laughs> two winners. Everybody play. played Top two players. Everybody, everybody played three games. Everybody played like, three like, games. Who, it's not AAU, Brian. <laughs> who knows? You have a, 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 AAU, whatever. Whatever. How do you want to call it? FIBA. You, you know, if you want to make it more official, call it FIBA rules. I don't care. <laughs> you know, come on, man. There's got to be a better way to do this. Got to be a better there way, is. people. Got to and God bless the BAC. You know, I, I did have a chance to uh, talk to uh, Commissioner Steels while while I was out there, and we talked for about uh, probably about ten minutes or so. So she's got some great ideas. Join B what BAC Nation. I did join BAC Nation while I was out there, also, Brian. So uh, did you really? She, she, yeah, she got me. She got me while I was there. She showed okay. me the fancy well, shirt and right. asked me where's my contribution at. And I was like, do you take calls? So, <laughs> gotcha. I couldn't, I couldn't walk away. She got me. I, sh- I, I should have never Damn. started that conversation. Yeah. But now, hey, look, uh, you're like, where, where did you go to school? Oh, I went to family. Oh, well, look, you got to go yeah. ahead and buy this shirt. Oh, gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Here, here uh, scan this QR code, type in your information. They had it set up perfectly. <laughs> How much was the cost again? Uh, there, there's a fifty. I think there's a fifty, one hundred, and there was Ooh. one above that one also. I forgot what the what it was. Obviously, you get a few more perks with uh, the more money that you uh, contribute. So I did make my contribution to the uh, to BAC Nation. Wow. Okay um good for you good for you hey um look one of the hot topics here obviously was uh as we think about what happened in the past week in may more recently over the past week it was the comments made by nick saban to some <laughs> alabama Birmingham. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you all right there drew i'm, I'm all right my brother <laughs> Nick Saban with his comments to the uh, Alabama business boosters, uh, whoever they were that uh, he was speaking to, where he managed to uh, manage to get outside of himself. That's that's the best way I can put it. And you know, uh, talk disparagingly about Texas A and M, as well as mention Jackson State. Um. So the the instant reaction, obviously, you heard how Jimbo Fisher responded. Um, I think Deion Sanders' only response was, let's have it out in public. I don't know if anything else has come from that. I doubt it will. Um, do, do you think there's any chance in the world Nick Saban does anything publicly maybe on the set of their next Aflac commercial? That's where I'm going to say it happens. On the set of their next Aflac commercial, maybe they'll do a live stream uh, from 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 there. How about that? But but do you really see any kind of public statement with with Saban and and Dion? I, I get what D Coach Prime is trying to do, and good for him for doing that. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? Nick Nick Saban is God in Alabama. 
there's Ooh, Nick Saban, there's Nick Saban, then there's small Jesus. G. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, small G. But to a lot of people, that 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 that's the that's the hierarchy in the state of Alabama. I, and I I'm not telling you what I'm thinking. I'm telling you what I know because I lived in in the state of Alabama. But uh, you know, Nick Saban to an Alabama Crimson Tide fan does not need to apologize because what he do what he's done is working for him now. How do I feel about this? This is kind of like the guy who t- who who talks about the other guy who's cheating on his wife while he's got a side piece over here. That's what this kind of seems like to me, Brian. So uh, you know, and then uh, did you see the comments from my coach uh, Reginald Ruffin at Tuskegee University? Yeah, that that's an in, yeah, that's real interesting. And he called uh, and he called uh, Nick out on if, if if you really want to talk about uh, nil and, and HBCUs and helping HBCUs out, here's a way to do it for the ones that are here in, in the state because there are two Division One HBCUs within the state of Alabama, two additional Division Two HBCUs in the state of Alabama that play football. Yeah, uh, Ruffin wrote that on his Facebook uh, page back on the 20th. Um, and, I, and I love the way he worded it. I mean, you know, he basically said, hey, Nick Saban can walk into his 80s office at any point and say, we need to play an FCS HBCU school. Um, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, they're right there. But I love the fact that, you know, you know, he said uh, – um, uh, I want to see if you got. I want to see if you got the one line that that raised my eyebrows. Well, okay. this, and I'm reading out of you know Steve Gaither's uh, article here on HBCU Game Day from earlier today. He said, "BTW, you you're not going to leave Tuskegee out of it because we are going D1." And yes, I said it. I'm like, huh? That what? was the one line that that. Right. So Ruffin apparently outlined a plan. That would see Alabama pay $1.5 million to the state's FCS HBCUs on a rotating basis as a starting point. Uh, and he says, quote, now the AD for the University of Alabama and the head football coach, Nick Saban, will be the best advocate for all FCS HBCUs in this state. Also, the ADs at the FBS level in this state will rotate playing and pay guaranteed payday for men's and women's basketball with all the HBCUs at the FCS level. This will increase revenue for our HBCU institutions in this state and increase the big the budgets big time for our program. Did I, I hate to use this word, did Nick's comments get him uh blackballed? Not blackballed, but uh I don't know. This it's almost a level of I hate to use the word extortion, but it's like whatever you want to call it, whatever fancy word, you know, uh, it's beautiful timing. Maybe I'm being harsh by saying blackballed or or uh, blackmailed, rather blackmailed or extorted. Black it's mailed. not the blackmailed. Blackmailed. Yeah, black. Yeah, yeah. That that's not the right way. I probably shouldn't say that, but but it does. It does. It does smell. It smells a little, you know, um, blackmailed a, a little bit. Black me, thank you. Blackmail ish, 
Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm good to put Randall, the ish on the end of a word. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go. For for him to put that out there. But uh man, Drew, I didn't know uh I didn't know Tuskegee's plans were rolling like that. What are your what are your thoughts when you hear and read this and, and what's the take or what's the view from Tuskegee University fans and alums as they hear this? Let me back up let me back up a second before I get into that, uh Brian. Uh the other school in the state of Alabama, Auburn University has played oh, Alabama A&M and Alabama State on a, rota- on, on a rotating basis and has even played them in basketball. And, yes, Auburn has even played Tuskegee in basketball, both on the men's and the, the women's side. So Auburn has done what they are supposed to do as far as that and, and helping out the, the – their brethren there within the within the state, and Auburn and University of Alabama are both state institutions. They are state schools, so this could be mandated by the governor or by uh, by a member of the legislature. Just like some some in some other states, they mandate certain things with their universities. But these, you got four of those five schools that he mentioned state schools and tuskegee is a state related school getting a 70 percent allotment from the state whereas auburn alabama alabama state alabama a&m get a hundred percent where other private schools only get a 50 percent such as such as a miles college now that i've thrown that out tuskegee got tuskegee got a long way to go with facilities until tuskegee gets on its capital campaign and it approves it for its facilities. Don't even talk about going D one until Tuskegee gets on a uh, gets his boosters to give the money to the athletic department to fully fund all of the sports. Don't even talk to me about D one. I'm, I'm gonna leave it right there. I don't need to well, comment any further than that. Great vision, but, but I've seen the strategic. I've seen the strategic plan. It's out there, but I'll just put it to you like this: the plan for the athletic department had Willie Slater's name on it. Got to do athletic director, which automatically tells you how old, not how old this plan is, but this plan maybe within the last three years, but it's not current, just based on the fact that you have a different athletic director right now. Well, but the old approach wasn't working. The 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 not not talking about it and being quiet, reserved. Uh, the nature of of Coach Slater, uh, Coach Ruffin is one eighty of that. So right. if any if anything is going to get that fan base and that community buzzing and get them interested back into giving and saying, "Hey, this is what we're shooting for," I've I've I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Talk about it. Continue to talk about it. Continue to ask, where's our money going to come from? Put the plan in place. And then as these other things start to happen, everyone has a clear vision of this is where we're going to. We're raising money for this. You know what I'm saying? You can't, and that's what people want. People want to see, people want to know where their money is going towards. So by, by Ruffin coming out and saying this, 
He puts on the table where our money's going to go. Yes, you, you called it. Facilities have to be upgraded. All these other things have to happen, you know, and it's not going to happen in a year, two years. It may be five years, might even be 10 years before all this happens. But Ruffin won't be there by the time it happens. And no, no offense to Ruffin, but he would have probably have moved on to something else. I mean, okay, you can you can. I hope I, I hope Ruff, I hope Ruffin is there as a lifer, but realistically, and look, he's he, probably going to be somewhere been, else by the time this is there. Well, but look at look at his time in Miles. How long did it take before you saw Miles improvement in facilities? Did that take five six years, seven yeah, years? It, it, yeah, it was about five years in before that stuff started happening at Miles. Okay, so I mean, it's realistic for him to jump out there and say that, knowing what he knows about the Tuskegee fan base and and you've long told me about how strong the Tuskegee base is if it's on the same page. So if he's able to get everybody on the same page, if he has the proper support from administration, if all of that gets figured out, what's to say that in five to seven years, you haven't seen those improvements and all those things. And yeah, hey, look, you might be able to move up to B1 or at least begin that provincial process. Right. Well, it's possible. Brian, this is what I'm going to say. If Tuskegee moves up to D1 to become another Valley, stay at D2. Yeah, but we understand. Most people don't understand Valley circumstances. And I, you know, I don't, I don't even know, why they are what they are, but that's another show, another topic. Um, I don't think Tuskegee will become t- – We what have we said? Among the blue bloods of HBCU football, regardless of classification, Tuskegee is one of them. So Tuskegee has over 100 wins more – well, had over 100 wins more than the next closest. They're still 90 clear of, of number two, which is Florida A&M University. Yeah, so so if they move up to D one, they are they are the school that can do it because they've got the name and reputation behind them to do it. You know, they they can do it, and and they won't be like Valley. It won't be. That's that's uh, that's apples and and lettuce, so to speak. You know. <laughs> uh, all right, so all right, let's pick up the show. We get out of here on that one. <laughs> yeah, let, let's get out of here on that one. So, uh, that's not, hey, we're, we're tuned in all week to the SWAC Digital Network to watch HBCU baseball. And uh, if we don't do anything prior to uh, Memorial Weekend. Which, uh, which no we telling won't. if we're going to have a show Memorial Weekend or not. You know, who knows? This we, Sunday we, we, we may probably be won't. You know, I'll be in Birmingham. We, we might we may do an update for Birmingham while I'm in Birmingham. Yeah, why not? Why not? Let, let's 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 table it and see how we feel. Maybe we'll do something Saturday. You're going to be on room, on location. Maybe you can wrestle up some people. And uh, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So you know, stay tuned to to the uh, black college sports network obviously the rest of this week you've got the uh the professors they'll be in tomorrow night dr gaville inside the hbcu sports lab tomorrow night then on wednesday the ong strike zone uh more with dr cavill's uh inside the hbcu sport lab on thursday nothing planned on friday as of right now 
And then Saturday, you got Carlos Brown. So plenty of opportunities during the course of the week to uh, to interact and engage. Feel free to uh, hit us up, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at MyBCSN1, the number one. Obviously, our personal Twitter feed, you can always reach us there. Uh, go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, MyBCN. My BCSN, my JBN is where you can find it on the Google or Apple Play Store. And when the podcast comes out on the BCSN Pod Zone, everywhere you download and listen to podcasts, make sure to rate and review on that platform, whether it's iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening and downloading to our shows, make sure to give us a rating. Five stars only, please. Everything else, you save it, keep it in your pocket. And that'll be it. So that's going to do it for this show. Thanks to our special guest, Charles Edmond, for joining us, Alcorn State Sports Radio Network. Uh, Drew, let's pick up our ball and go home. For AD Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks, guys, for watching, tuning in. Shout out to everybody. Be safe. Be smart. We'll talk at you later. Peace out. Ahala. But you my peace to your heart.